Trying to save your souls from damnation So if you down with the message Tune in every week It will lead you to the message that you seek Uh To the real world season nine episode two shout out to everybody's been watching shout out to everybody's been supported i'm your host ricard g noel and i'm here with kamel hall man how's it going man partner let's go let's go <laughs> let's go let's go and we got a special guest with us today holy from cali cali again so hey that's your turn you know National Geographics. That's the National Geographics, right? With the naked African ladies on it. <laughs> the naked. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, I work for the society, though. <laughs> They're split into two. There's okay. the National Geographic Partners, which is like a lot of the Disney owns, and then societies would actually funds and gives grants out. Okay. okay, so we a five one c three nonprofit. So what's up with the grants? You got us. How can we work together? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to do the environmental stuff. <laughs> no, we do. We do, of course. Um, so we talk more about that later. You spoke about mental health. So tell us what impact mental illness had on your life. Um, I experienced severe depression growing up. And as a child, I was, you know, more depressed than I would say most of my peers. A lot of my peers didn't really understand where my depression came from. And sometimes it's hard to identify yourself when you have such severe depression that you don't know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And you know, like some people can say you can pinpoint it, but sometimes when you have 
depression or anxiety that's so severe, sometimes it doesn't really come from anywhere. So, ex- so um, explain the depression. Like, what was your um, day-to-day thoughts? Like, was were you mad at something? Were you just sad? Or what was the emotion, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely experienced uh, sadness and anger. Probably a lot more anger. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to kind of pinpoint, like I was saying, like, what exactly you're angry at. Sometimes you're more sensitive to other things than you know exactly you're angry at. Sometimes you're, you're holding this anger. And it can be, kind of, it can be really hard. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to depression, you're just, you just have this sadness all the time, like this chronic feeling of emptiness at times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty difficult. Mm. I know I can speak for, um, I will, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, in our neighborhood, I don't feel we ever really think about diagnosing ourselves, yeah. especially during the depression. You're not really thinking about, hey, I'm going through a depressed state right now. You don't really think about it. You just keep feeling it over and over. And I'm thinking I felt like that at some time where, you know, either body shaming myself or... Even, you know, just feeling, especially when I was a kid, you know, I used to get the, oh, you sound like a girl on the phone. So I used to want to speak less, you know, in terms of just random things in life kept me quiet and, you know, keeping my feelings in. I, would you say letting your feelings out helped you through your depression or? Uh, it, yeah, I think it depends on the right setting because sometimes you can you can share your emotions and if it's not around the people that are going to embrace that, it's going to make you feel worse. I agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> Screw me, parents. There were times there were times it was a good thing. Um, sometimes it wasn't. You know, especially when people kind of don't understand where you're coming from or your emotions or you're kind of still expected to uphold those society societal expectations. And when you're around that, it's mm. not going to be helpful. And you do feel like something's wrong with you because you are told you should be emotional. Mm-hmm. Though you are, it's still a wrong thing to do. Um, but You're too emotional. Like when, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I had professional, when I talked to an actual professional, like a psychologist, there's no, there's no problem at all to be emotional and kind of share exactly what's on your, what's on your mind, which is why it can be kind of hard to do. Yeah. So yeah, but I think overall being emotional. Emotions drive you to Washington, or you felt you had to get out of Cali? <laughs> Was Cali too hot? Because you just changed temperatures, man. <laughs> you know, we changed. Oh my gosh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I love the Cali weather. I'm going to say I'm the biggest fan of California's temperatures. A little too, a little too hot for me. Yeah. I mean, I know that California right now is going through a lot of rain, which I'm so sad I'm missing. But actually, <laughs> I do like that. Um, but honestly, like, because right, I just graduated in, with my bachelor's in May, and I told myself, like, I need to find a job. I was I was doing an internship at General Motors, um, doing communications. I wanted to stay, because they had a really good culture there, but they had a hiring freeze, and I feel like a lot of corporate America is dealing with that right now. Like, yeah, I was going to say, probably the last so. two years, right? But it seems yeah. like, regardless of, you know, your struggles, you are still doing good for yourself. Like, you're still aligning yourselves with these big companies, General Motors, National Geographic. You're still doing well for yourself, so you're overcoming these difficulties. What are some ways that you was able to do that? Well, again, I'm, I'm, 
I was in a good place where my parents knew and sought out mental health professional help. And how did they know? Did, I'm curious to know. And they know. Uh, they just knew from experience. Because yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people in my family experience mental health, so like my parents knew about uh, medication and making sure that we seek a therapist or psychologist. But I understand that parents don't know about those things. And parents don't know about mental health, especially when mental health in certain households is taboo or it doesn't align with yeah. religious beliefs. Like, I, like I said, in my community, I feel a lot of us yeah. do not even think about that side of things, like mental yeah. health. We're so just in it. <laughs> yeah. So what helped, what helped was having parents that knew about it, and I hope more parents become aware of it. I'm not saying psychologists and therapists is the only way to go. There's mm. a, there's many different ways to address for myself, but I think um, it's, it's, it's a good way that many people should one day hopefully can pursue if they do need it. So that helped a lot. And then just my parents just being understanding and aware of it. So mm. when I would have outbursts <laughs> or I would be emotional, they would kind of understand where I was coming from rather than not understanding and vilify those emotions. So mm. that is, those are some things that help me the most, is just having that support system. So were you ever diagnosed with a mental illness? Yeah, depression. Um, a long time ago. Okay. No, I don't remember exactly when. Because <laughs> mm. I was pretty young and um, my psychologist... So that's, that's good that they for call a long time. I saw her for like seven to eight years. So I saw her for a long time. So I don't remember exactly when, but yes, I was. Okay. So what do you feel like was triggering your depression? Yeah. Did it come from... A trauma, or not to get too personal, but you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> for some, it does. Mm -hmm. And for some, people have certain mental health illnesses or certain mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. There is research that links trauma to their diagnosis, mm -hmm. but, and you could say for some people with severe clinical depression, it does, but that was never really the case with me. I never could pinpoint any specific moment where I was traumatized, where it kind of pushed my depression, but I know some people were dead. It was like a natural cause of, or it was just like natural. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what that, it feels like. Yeah. Were you like bullied by other kids or felt left out. out or things yeah. like that? Mm, I was a little bit, but not, not dramatic. <laughs> yeah. I did experience it, but I heard some really bad stories of people being bullied, and my, my experience with bullying doesn't even come close to that. Okay, okay, I understand. Yeah. Did you feel like there was like some changes in your life that were going on that made you upset or? Hmm. I just feel like sometimes when you have like these mental health conditions, your emotions just feel scattered. You know, like you don't really know why you're thinking this way. You like you said, you was, you felt lost. Just lost. Yeah, you, okay, that's good, but that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you feel, mm. you feel lost and you just don't feel in touch with your emotions and if that happens and your emotions can control you, it's just a disaster mm. for me personally. And so it's been difficult to kind of manage my emotions growing up. So that was something that was pretty hard. And, and just because of that, I was always more sensitive as a, as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, like, no matter what, even if someone made a comment, I would take it very personal and it would be in my head all day. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even focus on anything else. <laughs> so it was pretty dramatic like that, but you know, um, throughout the years, I've learned to just not take things personal, and you know, I always have my support system if I need it. Man, you was in Cali, man. Were you smoking, man? You wasn't smoking again. <laughs> you didn't cool down off the high. <laughs> no medicinal. <laughs> <laughs> the weed doctor. I never, I never did. 
get back to the funny story. I never did, but mm. but I was I was like top on emotions. I was really stressed out about moving. Mm. <laughs> so my sister and I, we were actually playing a game called Country Killer. It's like they send you evidence and like try to solve this murder or whatever. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. That sounds but interesting. I never, I, I so never CSI. Tried, so I, <laughs> I never tried edibles or anything. So yeah. I tried one and then. There wasn't much going on because I didn't realize it took some time, so I see another one. Oh. And then, then nothing was happening. Just yeah, the wolf on Wall Street moment right there. <laughs> He's like, this ain't working. Like, <laughs> I remember laughing a lot just for like 15 minutes, and then like I was, it was probably like, I'm gonna be honest, it was a terrible experience. It's never really good. The first time. Yeah, edibles and oh. He had two back to back because the first one didn't kick in. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> man, no, that wasn't the best experience. It was not a good experience because I took too much. Yeah, that was the, the only time I probably will. Yeah. So, what made you come on this platform? Like, what made you come on our show? Because our show is different, you know. No, I just love like having conversations with people. You know, inspiring people who live their these lives changing the world and I love to share my story on mental health, try to break down the barriers and the stigma so people can feel comfortable themselves talking about mental health with their families mm. or their parents or whatever it is so that they can seek help and you know the goal is to mitigate suicide in a way. Yeah. That's like kind of my the one thing I'm really passionate about is like um, not as a kid, but I feel like as a going into adulthood and going to university, I feel like that's where I experience. We got to give him a cake, man. That man is on it. He's saving the world one day at a time. Respect, man. <laughs> <laughs> got to respect it. Yeah, and that's all it takes is just talk about it. Yeah. Just be open about it. That's, like, the, I think, one of the most important things you can do. Of course, there's a million other things, but I think yeah. people who don't know too much about mental health, just being open about Sharing it. The experience. Um, Sharing the experience. You said at one point you also had suicidal thoughts, right? Suicidal mm-hmm. ideations. What, what triggered those ideations? Yeah, man. He was just fed up. I was probably there with a time where, um, where I had a lot, and I think that was just going through a lot. Like, I feel like my life was, like, emotionally scattered, like, so much. Like, I didn't really know what was going on. It was a really stressful time in university, and, yeah, I was having them almost all the time. So I feel like there was, I felt like I had this idea that no one was on my side, no one was supporting me. And you kind of have to get out of that mindset. Sometimes it can trick you like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I did experience it. I don't know if there was necessarily a specific moment that triggered it, but I think it was a lot of different things happening. Mm-hmm. How far into it were you? Like, did you plan it out? Did you write a note? Or? No, I never wrote a note. I never planned it. But, well, there was a point where I was so angry where I grabbed a bunch of pills in my house and put them in a bag in case I ever needed them. And I saved it. I don't know. I think I threw the bag away at this point, but I don't know if that's considered planning it. But you uh, kind of yeah. Close to it. You kept taking close steps. You kept taking steps. Yeah. yeah. So I did. I never attempted, but mm-hmm. I got really close. Well, I'm happy you did it, man. I'm happy on this platform <laughs> to share this story. <laughs> a, lot, yeah, of a lot of our community don't really think about it. And I'm happy you brought it up because now I got to put more thought into it, you know, mm-hmm. speaking about it. <laughs> Whenever we get people... So, 
on our platform from different communities, we always want to ask them questions like into their world. You yeah, know? like because see from their eyes. Believe it or not, our first what five seasons, we didn't have any white people in our show. They just weren't coming on. You yeah. <laughs> probably get like one per season, but since we got pod match. Yeah, you get a whole bunch of you know. New York is kind of segregated in a way. You know, certain areas is like these are all the Caribbean folks. These are all the you know Mexican folks. These are all the Spanish. Like everybody got a section. Like you got to cross over to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> so like you have a conversation with us now, right? Mm-hmm. Would you generally have a conversation like this in real life with with people from other backgrounds? Mm-hmm. And how comfortable are you with having those conversations? It depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really sometimes I'll feel comfortable, sometimes I won't. It kind of just is someone's aura, someone's energy, and if I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable. It's a vibe, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, it really is a vibe. Like if someone's not giving me that vibe, I'm I'm not going to speak on it. But it's interesting when the people you do like there are people I know that um, not right away, but like just meeting them a couple of times, they all be open about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll definitely build a bridge because then they'll share with me that they've experienced that or they know someone. I feel like, in my opinion, suicide is so, I think it's really common, but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't see it that way. I think every time you think of a suicide, you're like, oh, that's that one suicide. Yeah, it's got to be no, extreme. It's the one suicide you're hearing about. Um, if you actually look at the statistics, I'm trying to remember, I think it's like, uh, what was it? Every person dies by suicide every 40 seconds. Oh. That's to ridiculous. Um, and most are men, of course. You know, 80% of suicides are men. Why do you think and that so, is? I was going to ask the same thing. Why do you think? Oh, gosh, I don't... <laughs> I, I don't personally... I do feel a lot of the movies recently have been, you know, against on, men. Based on my research, they say it's because men... Um, have more access to deadly weapons like guns, more men have oh, guns. So this is more opportunity. And, and men are prone more to violence. Like, I see. Good mix. Yeah, more extreme actions. Yeah. yeah Could like, be that. Depending on how the suicide happens, I mean, I think a lot of people have access to mm-hmm. uh, pills or maybe a car that can do it. But yeah. I also think that I feel like sometimes when you look at like masculinity, it can feel so entrapping. Mm-hmm. That you know, men have sometimes feel that they can go nowhere with their emotions because they're told that they're wrong to feel that way. You gotta be tough. <laughs> yeah, no, really, yeah. it's not it's totally true. And then they feel like they have no one, mm-hmm. um, and then they resort to something like that because men's mental health is, in my opinion, a really untreated, really untreated community. Um, yeah. Mm. We're talking about um in the car about um. What qualifies as, you know, masculinity? We were kind of stumped on it because it was like, you know, the initial instinct feels like you got to be tough. You know, you got to, you know, not be so sensitive to things like where you shouldn't be, um, like, you know, body shaming your friend or so on. But in the aspect of when we was growing up, we used to compete a lot in sports. You know, men are usually in competition of things. So we're usually trying to push the other person by telling them their flaws. Yo, you you too slow, man. You too slow. So in the aspect of you gotta go faster if you want to compete with me. Mm-hmm. But you know nowadays it's like that's you know no that's bullying. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, I feel like they kind of confused. I'm even confused myself because I'm like I'm not even sure what y'all want me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was a very masculine song, like, but now everybody's singing like really, you know. <laughs> 
You know, so it's like, it's very, it's such a, a line that's so touchy. But I'm, what about people like Andrew Tate, the ones they said have toxic masculinity, what about them? I'm not even sure, tell me more. I mean, they're saying basically, he's saying that women should stay within their role, like feminine. Oh, yes. And, and they should obey the man and do whatever the man say. And then closing thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and then on the other side, um, he's saying that a man should be manly, that a woman should supposed to serve him and do whatever he says. But then recently they locked him up for human trafficking. They said that he was pipping girls oh, on the gosh. internet. He was controlling their OnlyFans and taking all <laughs> He wasn't even paying them. I don't know if he was. I think that's a real crime them. if he's not paying them. But um, in the aspect of that. Other than the trafficking part, obviously he went too far. <laughs> but other than that, I do feel that some cultures have, a, there's still a feminine aspect of it. You know, it's, in our culture, I feel, especially when I'm watching television, I feel like they try so hard to make the woman the man in the relationship. I mean, they even went as far as to make a movie called The Woman King. And it's like the twist on... But they like a man. Yeah. It's like everything is trying to push the woman to be more manly. And I'm like, well, other cultures don't necessarily follow that. So who's pushing the men to be manly? I mean, I don't know why the media do what they do. Mm. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It always feels like population control to me. Because mm. if the woman don't get with the guy, there ain't no multiplying. Like, that's the only aspect about it I think is true. Like... So what about you saying, like, growing up, what were the gender rules in your family and, and within your community? How did they teach it? Were First they even teaching gender roles? What's or? your background? Like, where's your family from? Mm, family's interesting. My family, my mom was German and Chinese, uh, so she had a pretty interesting background. My, so my, my mom's side of the family, they had an interracial marriage that my grandpa was completely Chinese. And my grandma was German. German, wow. And they met during World War II when he came over to Germany um, in the Air Force. So, and then my, my dad is completely Mexican. So my my dad and his his family, they're from Mexico. And my great-great, I don't remember which great, <laughs> but he actually came from Mexico and he was being targeted because he was a priest. And that was when they were murdering priests. Mm-hmm. And so he actually immigrated from Mexico to America. So that's the story um, of both my families. Um, so you're Mexican, Chinese, German. For me, I know like some households teach them, but for me it was like, I don't know what the gender roles were. The only thing I knew was that my dad was like the bread, the breadwinner, the breadwinner, because he would work full time, my mom would work part time. Mm. Um, and when my mom wasn't watching us, I would be watched over by my grandparents. So there was a really team. Saw, yeah. I never really saw like what the gender roles were. I saw that both my parents, they had their fights. They both respected each other. They both loved each other. That's why, like for me, when you define masculinity or femininity, it's like I mean, masculinity is what a man exhibits. Femininity is what a woman exhibits. But it's like it's hard to define because what exactly is that now? Yeah. I mean, you you could say that. Um, a man is supposed to be the protector, the provider. It's like, well, they both should be. Like, in a relationship, you both should be protecting each other. Like, I understand, though, yeah. like, the man pr- to protect his lady or his husband, whatever. But it's like, I think everyone should be doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I think everyone should support their family. Everyone should be 
you know, working if they can. You know, mm-hmm. you will each have a role, and I think it's determined by you. Mm-hmm. Whatever your roles are, you know, if it's the woman who works full time, if it's the man that stays at home, watches the kids, whatever it is, who cares? Whatever works for you, I don't think you need to buy into what no society your relationship should be, you know? Mm-hmm. I respect that. Whatever works for you, unless it's not, you know, toxic. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, low vibrations, you know. You can't stay, gotta stay away from the low vibrations. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What what have you felt worked best for you? Like, tell the people how old you are and, like, what has worked best for you within your life. So I'm 24. Um, so <laughs> I'm from the Gen Z generation. Check that. But in my 90s, baby, that's it? <laughs> I don't know. I think I got Gen X. I got Gen Z. All right. Um, but your question, I, I, I would say, I don't know. Where do you find your, um, your, uh, you know, it might be a secret, but where where you find your inner peace, you know, your zone where you just, yeah, yeah. yeah where do you find that? It's hard, though. I think, like, that's one of the hardest things you can do is find your inner peace. I think that's, like, the mission. The top thing that you're looking for. Like, yeah. everything you're doing, well, everyone has different goals, but mm. I think a lot of people are trying to attain that inner peace. And of course, it, it's different for everyone. But for me, it's like being surrounded by people that bring up the best in me, but also challenge me. You know, so I'm always growing as much as I can. Uh, being around people that, you know, unconditionally have a love good team. You, mm-hmm. I think that gives you inner peace. And I think, I feel like also this culture, we have a hard time like loving ourselves and, you know, delving into self care. Mm-hmm. And I think when you surround yourself with a positive community, that brings the best out of you, you feel better about yourself. You, you find more inner peace. You find yeah. more meaningful relationships. You have a better outlook on things. So I understand that some people can't control who they're around, especially if it's family. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's good to recognize that. You need that. You know, that's, I, need, I need more. I need, yeah. more than, I need more than what my family's giving me or my family. Maybe you're not in a good relationship with your family. Yeah. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but trying to find people that, you know, can have a positive influence on you. And that's hard because I watched, I watched several videos um, that was popular on YouTube at one point where people were in their 30s and late 20s that were saying they have no friends. Yeah. So it's a very normal thing. I don't think a lot of people think that because every time we think of someone who has no friends, we think there's something wrong with them or we call them a loser, which I think is messed up. <laughs> Someone may not have friends because... <laughs> that just reminded me of like high school. I just had a flashback. Like, <laughs> I mean, but you could be in a room where you know everybody and still feel lonely. Like that's happened to me a lot. Like mm-hmm. where, I, where I'm in a room with like hundreds of people and I know majority of them and I still feel alone because I'm like... Yeah. Not that connected. Yeah. That's how this is, yeah, there's a difference between, of course, you know, being in a room with people, but being yeah. in a room with people you connect with and have that community with. Yeah. But this is like 20 it, years of friendship it. right here, man. He's a brother practically at this point. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's 20 years. And we've been talking. So, yeah, no, I saw like popular videos where people were just open about not having friends and they were saying that they had friends in high school and then you just move on. And then, it, and, you know, sometimes when you work at a job, it's hard to find friends. And so I think it's actually, again, a very normal thing. We're just not very open about that. Sure. You know, having friends is a kind of a normal thing. And that, people are scared to admit that. And that um, could so lead to the depression. Job friends yeah. are not real friends. Yeah, that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, Most of the time, they don't stay your friend after you leave that job. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a couple of those. Situations in groups where we're friends that moment that I leave or something happens, I never hear from them again. I'm yeah. Like, when I reach out, I don't hear back. It's like, like they disappear. It's like they were fake the whole time. It's weird. Like, you could say happy birthday to them on Facebook and they just press the like button. They don't even respond. It's like they just. You never hear from them again. Like, literally. <laughs> something. A lot of people be quiet because they don't they don't want to have to open up. Or they could be secretly comparing themselves to you and so <laughs> that breach the This is the competitive nature from basketball. It does happen. It does happen. So how has your experience been here so far speaking to us? Oh, it was fun. I mean, again, again, I feel like I'm a, a podcast that I'm on. It's like pretty serious and I love that it's two people because like usually it's one-on-one and I'm talking to someone so it was fun to hear about y'all's different ideas and your experiences so it was cool yeah I thought I had a lot of fun I appreciate that man yeah man okay since you're part Asian, German, and Mexican, what <laughs> what religion did they make you follow? <laughs> <What religion laughs> did you call that? Again another thing my family was like my family never really had anything like we never my grandparents on my dad's side are really, really Catholic, but my mom and my dad didn't really raise me and my sister to believe in any religion, so I never really... They just left it up to y'all. Uh, so I never yeah. really believed in anything, so I do believe something's out there, and I have a, a good sense that there is, but I believe in things from Catholicism, Christianity, and I'm exploring Buddhism just to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because why not? There's That's how you find. I don't think we should live in ourselves. You're right. You're right. So are you atheist? No, no, no. I definitely believe in some sort of God or higher power, but no, I'm not atheist for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you pray? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this. <laughs> top top question: Does he pray? <laughs> I mean, it's a cliffhanger right here. Like, it's just, <laughs> well, well, let's see if, if he's able to come back. I mean, man, that's a lot. Man, man. What do you think about all that? Listening to his story, I think I did a... His parents did not force him to be religious, but they did help him. <laughs> it's not like... He, 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 he had a good upbringing. Yeah. Hey, man, we, we back. You yes, know, we sir. got the free version of Zoom, so we only get him in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was 45. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be 45, but they don't let you pick 45, so you got to pick 30. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they cut you off because, you know, gotcha. it's the free version. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I still Keeping use it my, real. Yeah, I still use my Zoom from... From 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 grad school, shout out to Fordham University for the free Zoom. <laughs> you know, I was watching something yesterday. They said LeBron don't pay for nothing anymore. He's like, he's like, yeah, I still pay for. I don't pay for Pandora. I get the commercials and everything. Like, I don't care. I'm not paying for that. Like, I'm not paying for these subscriptions. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. So, how was your upbringing? T- tell us more about your upbringing. Oh, wait, the, um, the religion. We got to get the top, um, the religious. Well, no, he answered it, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, sorry. He said so, he yeah, was... I like, prayed, though. Oh, yes, yes. They yeah, prayed. yeah, there you go. Do you pray? Uh, not regularly. 
church in, in, in Queens to preach because I'm an ordained minister. Um, so I went out to go preach at a church in Queens and then the pastor that had invited me to come preach as a guest speaker, he was like, yo, there's a lot going wrong today, but we're going to put our trust and our faith in God because the mm-hmm. person who was supposed to do praise and worship wasn't there. The, the sound equipment was messing up. It was snowing. It was a <laughs> Like, so, so people came and laid or stayed home. There was a lot going on. So I watched this pastor. First, I watched this this this, this young man. Like, he preached. I mean, he prayed from the heart. And the way he prayed was almost like he preached. And it was like everyone in there had, had like, tears in their eyes, including me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And then the <laughs> pastor came, and the pastor started doing praise and worship. And he's doing praise and worship while preaching. And then they break into a prayer. And it's like... Everyone in the room is praying in unisex. Like, like, like he'll say a line, then, then someone else say a line, then someone else say a line, and, and they got the women in the background crying and ad-libbing and yelling, and then, but it's all yeah, mixing yeah, it together. together. And then, yo, like, tears started flowing down my eyes. I'm like, yo, like, what's going on in here? Yeah, like, sounds like an experience. Yeah, yeah, it was like the Holy Spirit was really there, and that was in, like, a small church, I would say, with maybe 50 people, and then I went to a convention with... Over 300 people and I felt in a, in a room alone. <laughs> so it's like, you know, things like that. Like, you just begin to see it for what it is. Like, like where is God and where is God not, you know? Mm-hmm. And where, where God gets along, too, because, man, that sounds like everybody, like you said, was in unison. Man, and thinking of, like, teams, you know, in terms of even sports, it's like it, you got to kind of be all together on the same page to really feel it. Yeah, I would. What I man, I kind of wish I was there. <laughs> it's like when you're in a sports game, you hear na 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 na. Yeah, it's like in unison, everybody feeling the same vibe, like the Holy Spirit working, man. But that's that goes back to what you were saying, um, Zane, surrendering fully to God, surrendering to the will of God, surrendering all. There's a song that we used to sing, "I Surrender All." Yes, uh, you know when you do the um. The, I surrender all. Yeah, that's usually yeah. when they do the altar call when people come up and they give their life and you know. I used to hate it. I can't lie, cause I used to think y'all were doing this so I could give up my money. <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie. I used to be like, this is a scam. Like y'all, y'all played the perfect tune to influence my mind during the time where it's like, yeah. Take my wallet, like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> most of the time, when they would pray, like pray over <laughs> people, or tell, or like ask people to convert, for the most part, like that. See, influence. <laughs> so, Zane, tell us about your childhood. Did you have a great childhood or a bad childhood, or how was it? <laughs> no, I think I had a good childhood. You know, I had a good relationship with my mom, um, with my family. You know, all family 
Well, can I ask one more on top of that, just to add to that? We're both, I'm, we're both raising kids. I need to know, were you like given a lot of responsibilities for my young, or were you like they, they just let you flow? That they was like, hey, wash the dishes, hey, clean, make up your bed, or was it just you know you just lived? Uh, kind of just live. Okay. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> Cali life. <laughs> Cali life, yeah. Well, what type of neighborhood did you grow up in? What? What type of neighborhood did you grow up in? Oh, I, I grew up in, like, suburbia. <laughs> okay. Like, like, what was it called? called? Mm -hmm. I, I lived in an interesting city. I lived in Chino, and Chino's interesting. Cause, like, we lived in, like, a suburbs, kind of, but it wasn't, like, nice suburbs. Mm. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, it wasn't necessarily suburbia, but it, it looked like it. But it wasn't like a nice suburbia. And around yeah. the area, there was a lot of animals. So, like there was a lot of farmland. So mm. um, it definitely didn't smell the best at times. <laughs> That's like more so, country style. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah, it wasn't necessarily in the country, but like, yeah. it kind of felt like it at times because the way. It smelled, and there were farms around. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what do you say that you had a stable household growing up? Yeah, I mean, my parents did not want me to worry about things that they did. You know, they they struggled with money like a lot of families. Mm -hmm. um, being on the lower spectrum of middle class, mm -hmm. so yeah, it was. I wouldn't say I struggled in that area, but I know my family did. Mm -hmm. And they were always worried about something happening. So one day the car broke down, then pay five hundred dollars. That was a lot for mm -hmm. some people. That's a lot for a lot of some people. So, yeah. Bad. Um, so yeah. my family worried about that, and we never really vacationed because you know my parents were always focused on finances. And uh, I don't remember when, but it was years ago. My family finally paid off the house, and so mm -hmm. the house is. Congrats, man. That's always a, that's a mission for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah. They really focused on that rather than kind of going on expensive vacations, which I think was a smart thing. Um, yeah, financially. Maybe they regretted a bit, but it, I think mm -hmm. it's nice to have something you own. And yes. now, if my sister and I ever need it, it's there. Yeah. That's a great thing, man. That's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And tell us one, one more time what you studied in school and what school you went to. I went to Calpoint, Pomona which is a pretty big like engineering school. Mm -hmm. It's a polytechnic school and I <coughs> studied communication. So that was my major. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people be going off about communication is a useless major, but... <laughs> I mean, this, it sounds like it's working for you, man. <laughs> no, I don't think any major is useless. It might sound mm -hmm. useless, but it depends on what you're doing with it. So like someone who's studying communication, like, oh, everyone knows how to communicate. One, no, they don't. <laughs> and, and he took pride in that. He's like, hold on, this, is, this ain't for everybody. <laughs> it just really depends on what you do with your major. And for me, yeah. um, I didn't stop at just doing the classes. I did internships. I got mentors, which is why I'm working at, I'm working at National Geographic, or I am working at National Geographic. I had mentors at Meta, you know, which is formerly known as Facebook. I had mm -hmm. Twitter mentors at Dell. T-Mobile, so. Oh, so you tapped in, man. So yeah. I saw them out, you know, and there are, there, are, there are companies and organizations out there where you can sign up and just get a mentor. So you have to just wow. look for these things. I feel like if you leverage those experiences, it's a lot more than just a piece of paper, your degree. Because I learned a lot more with my internships and jobs than 
I ever did in school. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I could get that. <laughs> so what was some of the most important things that you learned through your internships that you would like to share with the people today? With my internships? Yeah, with the, um, sorry, working under your mentors, under your mentorship. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, what I love about working with them is, you know, uh, make sure you bring value and make sure you know why you're there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you want a mentor, you need to make sure you know what you're there for. Because, um, you know, someone who is an executive at Facebook or Meta, they're busy, obviously. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to mentor you, you should have a good handle on what it is you want to accomplish. Pretty much goal. telling them what you're here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a, lot of, a lot of people will go, can you be my mentor? And they're going to go, mentor you with what? <laughs> you know, they don't know. So yeah. it's good to have goals. And luckily for me, the mentorships that I had, a lot of them were from programs from companies. So I didn't necessarily have to have a goal. Mm-hmm. I was just part of a program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were like matched up. Um, so that's why I would say what I love about having these mentors is they each kind of held a different purpose. So sometimes they would give me interview tips. Someone, someone would really question me on why I thought certain things or how I was getting a job or whatever I was doing. So all of them had different, you know, how do I say this? They all had like different expectations and different ways of doing things, which is why I think it's good to have several mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you're not getting that one perspective, you're getting several. Yeah. Uh, so I think that helped me the most. And I'm not saying that these mentors got me a job cause they didn't. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> earned your job. <laughs> yeah, even the, even my mentor at Meta, she referred me to two jobs. I didn't get them. So, you know, just because you have a mentor doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get a job without working. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at a mentorship that way either, because a lot of times that won't, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. But what they do offer you is they offer you advice, guidance, they Techniques. know exactly where you are. Yeah. Because they had to get a job at one point, so they know how you're feeling, they know exactly what you've gone through. So mm-hmm. it's good to have that, ex- that person that knows <coughs> what you're experiencing. Growing up, like, what type of crowd do you feel like you used to hang out with? I feel like when I was growing up, I don't know, I had different crowds, which was always interesting. I remember hanging out with... You said you had a sibling, right? A daughter? I mean, a sister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's six years older than me, so... Oh, so... Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the kind of crowds I hung out with, well, I you know, different kids, you know, kids in different backgrounds, different races. I never really... Paid attention to it, yeah. You know, two of my close childhood friends were black. Mm-hmm. And I never saw anything of it. Didn't think of it any differently. Um, and in, even the high schools, or the schools I went to, they were predominantly Asian. So mm-hmm. I always kind of like felt left out because I didn't necessarily fit the mold of the school. Like, Wait, you like, said Haitian? Yeah. Yeah, 95% of the schools that I went to were like predominantly Asian American. Oh, Asian. Asian. Really oh, Asian, like Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why well, do you say Haitian like sac passe? So that was I hung out with like sometimes popular kids, sometimes I hung out with quote unquote dorks. <laughs> yeah. So you just, I, know, I just kinda I just kinda fit in with a lot of people. Uh, and th- this was all during um when you was um in Cali? No, no, when he was getting up when he, you said you had depression, so you're still fitting in, even though you said you was um well, dealing with the mental issue, uh, what was it, yeah. with the therapist? Yeah, no, um, I'm lucky that people people I was around were 
understanding, and also I just kind of pretend I didn't have those issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it can be kind of easy to, for some, not all, but yeah. you, know, you can definitely pretend. You can hide it. Yeah, I see what like, you're saying. Like, so what's that quote? What's that? Like, smile through the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Respect. So that's what you used to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Did your sister deal with those same issues, or it was just you? Uh, not the same, mm-hmm. but we definitely both have mental health journeys. So maybe we all need it. So perhaps yeah. mental <laughs> illness. We all need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so perhaps mental illness runs in your family. You're saying. Mm-hmm. That's how again, like I said before, that's how my family like knew a lot about. Oh, okay, ah. okay. Yeah, it's hard to put a word on it, but so what do you feel like was some of the biggest hurdles or adversities you had to overcome to reach the point you're at now? Um, I mean, mental health. Um, I also grew up like neurodiverse, so I had trouble in school a lot with focusing and paying attention. Um, so I was on a plan that gave me my like homework, all that stuff. Um, and then a lot of a lot of uh, you know understanding my identity because I share a lot of identities. Not having a religious identity, always being racially ambiguous, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And then also when I went to university, I didn't. No one in my family's ever gone to university, so I was the first generation student. Mm-hmm. So having a university was pretty hard because I didn't know anyone that had gone through it in my family. Yeah, it was the first so, to experience it. Wow. Yeah. So. Interesting. He was leading the crew from there. He was telling them all the stories. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, so your well, sister didn't go to to university? Huh? Your older sister did not go to university? Yeah, she tried. It just you know, university's not for everyone. Okay. Honestly, that's so you went through and let them know how you the blueprint from now on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So 10 years from now, where do you see yourself? Like, what goals do you have for yourself? Mm. I definitely want to, you know, keep moving forward with the communications plan and become maybe like a communications manager, intro comms manager. Um, my dream is to work for Google or Microsoft, for sure. Not Meta? Not Meta? I mean, they're like yeah. good, stable good companies. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't firing a bunch of people recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, in, like you said, next few years, they'll be over that and then I can go work there and it's a little more stable there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. You do work for them in communication. What sense? What's the, like, the job required? Well, what do, what's it, what, do, what do we want to do? Yeah, over there. Oh, yeah, it really depends on... Yeah, yeah, I would love to like... Because it... Google and Microsoft, they do a lot of work in accessibility, like mm-hmm. making sure that technology and things are accessible for people with disabilities, which I'm really passionate about. So mm-hmm. being able to like be on a team where they communicate accessibility would be really interesting. That would be pretty fun. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's your turn to ask us questions now, because I think we asked you a lot. <laughs> oh, my turn? Why you ask questions? I don't usually don't get to. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, I mean, if you're open to it. Mm. Growing up, did you experience anything with mental health that you, like you said, you didn't think about it back then, but looking back now, did you, maybe think you were experiencing that? Oh, definitely, man. I definitely wasn't talking. You could ask him. I was not trying to speak to people and open up, you know. I was very reserved. 
I, it's weird because at the same time, you know, I was still mixy, you know, in terms of sports. I always bonded with like, you know, one or two friends and then everyone else would gather and, you know, I would be like, I have to bond with these other people too, even though I'm not, you know, comfortable. I could definitely say though, you are right. It is great to have good people around you because that had opened me up in terms of my own character. I started, you know, being comfortable with being myself. But man, I wish I was able to look back and, you know, talk to myself and be like, man, you was going through with nothing. Like, <laughs> you could have you could have battled through that with, you know, somebody to mentally guide you. And my family, um, my father didn't live with me, you know. So I just had the female perspective of, you know, how to communicate. I didn't build my own masculinity, my own, you know, toughness to communicate and be open with myself, you know. That was that's what I dealt with when I was younger. I'll say. Mm. Me, I could say that <clears throat> I've dealt with it since I was young. Like I remember um, in church, I used to always separate myself a lot because I felt so outcasted. The fact that you know I'm going to church and I'm so different from all these other people that's putting on this facade, but at the same time, I have to be real and true to myself. So. Like, yeah, I go to church, but I understand the streets, too. So it's like I always felt out of place. You wasn't and, a goody-goody, but you wasn't bad, bad. Yeah, I felt out of place. Like, I had to walk between two worlds. And sometimes, like, I remember, like, I used to go to the roof of the church, not to jump, but just to look down, like, just to be alone from everybody else. Peace and cool. And then I would find some other kids with the same ideas, and they would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going through depression, yeah, I'm going through this, yeah, I'm going through that. And I found out, like, there's a lot of us like this, you know? And um, I remember I used to live in a basement and I used to close all the curtains and just be in the house all day. And then that Drake song came on. It was like, I've been in the, I've been in the house with the phone or I've been in the house with the curtains closed. Yes, that's... Um, like, I'm um, six bands. Yeah. And then when he's like, like, I felt that way where it's like your phone off, the curtains closed and you just... By yourself, like you're zoning out, you don't want to be around nobody. Um, and I've dealt with PTSD and depression. Like, I was in a car accident where a friend he was going through troubled times and he tried to commit suicide, and I was in the passenger seat and I was hurt really bad. And you know, I felt that resentment in my heart for a very long time, and I had to go through physical <laughs> therapy and mental therapy. I started therapy. to laugh, I just you know popped in my head, like, this mother almost <laughs> killed me. <laughs>
What is it like being a Cleveland director? That sounds so interesting. What is it like? Um, you get to hear people talk about all the things that they're scared to say out loud, you know? All the things that you see, like I've been, it's almost like you get to go inside of people's households and understand the dynamics, you know? Almost like the mm-hmm. questions I've asked you, like this whole entire conversation, I probably was psychoanalyzing you. Actually, yeah, you're asking some pretty personal questions. Yeah, <laughs> asking about, <laughs> about um, his religious background, his family background, <laughs> his grandma, his grandfather, where he worked. Like what school he 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 go to, what neighborhood he grew up in, like how was it growing I was up? Like, I don't know you like that, bro. Like, <laughs> all those questions. It was like I was processing like what could have occurred in his life to bring him this clinical depression. It sounds like, and mm-hmm. then he said that it runs in his family. And I'm like, okay, that then that clinical depression yeah. could be could be connected to schizophrenia, schizoaffective, depending on how long that depression lasts or how deep you fall into that depression or what symptoms you have. Or if it goes treated or untreated, mm-hmm. so. But so how is it, man? Every day you have to hit, you know, the darkest, the deepest thoughts. <laughs> I mean, it shows you the world for what it really is, like you know. <laughs> I could talk about it, but a lot, of, you know, they all say the truth is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the truth is stranger than fiction. Like, there's a lot of evil in this world, man. A lot of evil people, you know, they. They, they, they abuse and molest children because they were abused and molested and then gives it's a cycle of trauma then we try to do drugs or harm ourselves to get rid of you know those thoughts or those ideas or to deal with that trauma and then you put yourself in predicaments or situations and the cycle continues you know mm-hmm. and sometimes it could be economical sometimes it could be passed on trauma biological sometimes you know, nature, nurture, like how you raised or where you was raised or how you was raised. I feel like that plays a huge part, yeah. Yeah, all of that plays a part into it, you know, so. Man, where's your piece? Where you find your, your moment of peace? Because <laughs> I know you're passionate about it, so I guess that could bring you peace too that I you're mean, helping. My, it's my piece is my anchor. Like, you've always got to find your anchor. And the more I thought about what the anchor is, like what is the anchor, the place that you feel safe. Like Superman had his fortune, his fist. <laughs> His what's it called? Um, the, the castle. Yeah, he the had this um, fortress. Of, what a is fortress it? of solitude. Yeah, basically, and where he found peace, where it, it was a place that only he could get to. And I feel like that's how I am in my house, like you know, mm-hmm. around family, around people that I know is really gonna be there for me because they really been there for me. You mm-hmm. know, you can't say you're gonna be there for me and never been there for me. <laughs> you know? So like that's where I find my peace, and you know. I'm rooted in Christ, like I'm rooted in God, like yeah, I really believe in that, like I really, like God has changed my life and you know, you've seen the miracles that God has done through me to help yeah, others, like, where we at? <laughs> like you know, so that's not cap right there, like, like yeah. I said last year, we, we fed over 2,000 people, bro, and I don't even know how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. That's my life in a nutshell, man, you know, <laughs> just keeping it real, you know, hands up to God. That's what's right. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we almost, I've got five minutes. Well, he got to ask one more question before he close out. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> He's like, let's see. Um, <laughs> yeah, we from Brooklyn. I don't know if you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, from the floors, you already know. From the floors, you know. Um, we both got on tennis. Uh, you said you're both fathers, right? Yeah. yeah. What's that like? What, what's, what's that like? Well, we yeah. both got daughters, so that's how we 
So you know, I think you've heard a bit the step, the, the you know, the rumor that <laughs> all dogs get daughters. <laughs> so you know, we started looking. I ain't gonna lie, both of us when we when he got a daughter, I was like, he's <laughs> like, yeah, man, it shows what you've been doing to the women all these years. <laughs> We all got daughters, bro. Me, him, Emmanuel, he's like... Well, yes, there's a list of us. And it was like... But other than that, man, it's... You know, it kind of feels like your life kind of made you have to repent in a way. Like, I'm like, all right, you know, I got to be even better to my daughter than I've been to any other person right now. (laughs) So having kids... um. You just, most of the times, that's where I kind of figured out, you know, my errors and my mental issues from the past. Because I was like, we ask these questions, I ask some of my questions more so because I'm trying to, you know, see if my past was, you know, average. Was it just like an average thing to go through, like, you know, depression or not feel able to communicate? Because I don't want my children to go through that. So Mm -hmm. I started looking back into myself to find out how Mm -hmm. I can help her. That's that's what kids did to me. Huh? <laughs> I feel like having my daughter, like and having a family, it made me feel a sense of responsibility and a sense of pressure that I felt like I needed to get to the next level. Yeah, it pushed me to like you know stay motivated, stay hungry, to never be complacent. You know, never never give up. Wake up in the morning and know that I'm living for someone else besides myself. Know that. Well, whatever I used to do before, I got to do it two Twice times. as hard. Yeah, three, four, five times. Plus a safety on the back. You know? And, yeah. you know, I got to protect myself. I got to protect her. I got to protect everybody else around me. You know, I got to make sure everybody's safe. I got to make sure I get home every night, you know, yeah. on top of that. It's like extra, extra. So you got to be a superhero and you got to be... <laughs> Rooted and humble at the same time. So every yeah. day is a new experience. Every day is something new, you know. Yeah. But it's a blessing, though. It's a blessing. You know, a lot of people don't even get to experience that blessing. So true. One thing I look, um, one thing I look at too, um, you know, because I grew up with him, and I told you, you know, my family was, you know, kind of broken in the sense of not really family like, you know, just my mother and me. And, you know, I grew up coming by his house very often, you know, for his little brother and just for the family feeling. I always felt like so welcome there, you know. So I was thinking, it made me think like, man, you know, family is so important. It could just build you up and it reminds me of a team. So I'm always, when I had my daughter, man, I was like, I need a team. Like, we need a team. I need to make sure she get that team feeling that I didn't grow up with, you know. Yeah, that's why I say it takes a village to raise a child. Yes, yeah. and that is very true. That is very true. And there was a time every day I used to come home and I used to see this guy on my couch. I used to come like, yo, how you get inside, bro? What? <laughs> I used to look back and be like, yo. Playing video games, just looking at me, eating a sandwich. Like, or Chinese food. Chicken wings and french fries. You know, I, I'm not gonna lie, I think recently, probably like er, er, end of last year, I talked to somebody and he was like, yo, my friend used to do that to me too. He was, he was in my house eating dinner every night. Like, yeah. I'm like, so I'm not the only one. It was actually, um, it was. It was a little different. It was an Asian guy, and um, yeah, it was a lot of us there yeah. every day. It was you, Andy, Simon. Yeah, there's all Alan. different cultures. Yeah, and it was a whole bunch of us. Yeah. We had the space, you know. Yeah. So people just pull up. 
Yes, especially in the backyard. That was where a lot of arguments and, you know, people Fights. skills was growing. Yeah, wars. We would have need a communicator. <laughs> we would have needed somebody to communicate for us. Cause a great transit. <laughs> so, Zane, closing thoughts? Yeah. What thoughts you want to leave with the people with? And where can they find you at? You said I have any final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, final thoughts and where they can find you at. Your social media or any links you want to share. Final thoughts would be just be aware that people are going through something. You never really know what they're going through. Maybe they're smiling through the pain and always have empathy and always try to understand others. Even when, sometimes when, even when your family pushes you away, maybe something's going on. Mm. Um, and also be grounded within yourself and figure out what you need, address what you really need. It's like we're always trying to be people pleasers and never support ourselves though. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, just my name. Type in my name. You'll find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and connect with me on there. That's where you can find me. Alright, alright. His name is Zane Landon, right? Landon. Alright, 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 alright. Closing thoughts come up? Find your ground, man, you know. I used to do engineering in city tech, so you know the ground is the only way the the tech works. It don't if you don't got no ground, there ain't no electricity passing around. So find your ground and that's how we get going. I I I I and my closing thought is you can always find us online. Check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com, backslash the real word seven seven like Mike Vick or just check Facebook, The Real World Ministries. You could also go on YouTube, youtube.com backslash The Real World TV or The Real World TV as one word on YouTube or The Real World Ministries Inc. on Instagram at The Real World Ministries Inc. on Instagram or just Google The Real World Ministries Inc. And you can find us everywhere. Yeah, Apple, really Spotify, good. Pandora, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. So also we on the Brick Network. Every Tuesday we on Thursday. Brick TV, man. We on TV, Mama. Yeah, we Tuesday and Thursday at 12, 1, and four. So thank you for joining us. We close out with a prayer. Zane, you want to pray for us or too much pressure? <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, go ahead. You want me to pray? No. He's <laughs> like, why is it quiet so long, man? If you want to lead it. <laughs> Alright, dearly Father, we thank you for this moment of time. We thank you for this opportunity to be here together as one. Continue to order our steps, Lord. Bless this platform that we have created, but only with your guidance and with your wisdom and understanding, Lord. We ask you to bless our brother Zane that came here today. Bless Kamel and his family who's always here with us. Bless my family and everything that we're doing. And bless his ministry in the name of your son, Yahshua, as we pray to Holy Father. Amen. Amen. Good night and God bless you, people. We see you, we see you, we see you. We it's a real world. It's a real world.